love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And, of course, we've taught a lot about this particular verse, but Jesus said this is the greatest love, right? So it's not just the average love, mediocre love. It's the greatest love that anybody can do uh, is to lay down their life. But, you know, uh, that word life there is not talking about your physical life. Now, I know for Memorial Day, we remember those that have given their physical lives uh, for, uh, to protect our freedoms. But really, uh, before they ever gave their physical lives, they had to meet the qualification for this verse. So Jesus, when he's saying that uh, greater love has no man than this, that it lay down his life for his friends, that word life there is suke. It's, so it's really talking about your will, your choice, that a man has chosen to lay down his life. So he said the greatest love is not the, not the fact that they gave their physical life, but they first gave up their, their choice to benefit somebody else. And, of course, you know, in the context of, uh, uh, of this uh, holiday, we remember that somebody is, has chosen to give up what they wanted to do for the benefit of somebody else. But for each of our lives, Jesus, the greatest love that you can do is not that you die for somebody. Uh, he did say that's the greatest love. He said the greatest love is when you choose as an act of your will to do something that benefits somebody else. Uh, and so, of course, all of the folks that have uh, been in the military and gave up their physical lives for us, uh, they first had to choose to go and do something for somebody else's benefit, which is to serve uh, in the military. And so really everyone who's serving in the military, even if they don't know it, you know, they don't, uh, everyone in the military may not know uh, this particular verse in the context of how Jesus said it. But everyone that's really serving or has served in the military has chosen to, to exercise the greatest love. Jesus says it's the greatest love when you take your will and you yield it for the benefit of somebody else. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, <coughs> you know, uh, I, I was never in the military, uh, but a lot of times, you know, we think, well, you know, I'll take a bullet for you. I'll, you know, I'll do this or do that for you. Well, that's not the greatest love. Jesus, the greatest love is when somebody needs you and you choose to lay down what you're doing at that, at that time and to go be a servant to them. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the greatest things that, uh, uh, that we've learned about the love of God is uh, what's the opposite of love? Anybody remember? It's selfishness, right? So it's not hatred, it's selfishness. Uh, because it's the very opposite of love, because love always uh, chooses to give. Uh, and so uh, <clears throat> so in that, you know, we just wanted to, re- to re- remind ourselves, remember ourselves, remember uh, all of the folks that have gone. And, and, you know, I don't actually know. I was trying to think if I know any any people that have actually given their lives up in, in the in the service of others in the military. You know, my dad was in the military, but I know a lot of folks um, you know, Chris has got family members that were in the military, especially uh, in uh, Vietnam, uh, that some of them ha- are suffering today uh, because of the chemical warfare that was going on, you know, during, during the time that they were in Vietnam. And they have suffered debilitating, long-term, long-lasting uh, physical uh, effects because of that warfare. Uh, but the reason they're suffering is that is because they chose to, to walk in the greatest love that there ever was. Uh, and so even though they, they are still alive with us, but their love uh, and the lack of selfishness is what, uh, you know, it compelled them to go and be a servant to the Lord. Because, you know, even though they're in service of men because they're serving others, you know, they're really in service to the Lord. So it's just good to remember, you know, the, the Memorial Day. You know, we can have fun going to the lake and go do whatever. But uh, re- remember that somebody else has paid a great sacrifice for us to live free. Uh, and um, to live the way that we live. Uh, and, you know, I still think we live in the greatest country 
that there ever was. And, and part of that is because uh, we have chosen to defend this country and, and to protect it from the invasion of, of um, uh, you know, enemies and, and uh, people that want to destroy our way of life. And there's always people, you know, uh, that want to, want to destroy this way of life. Amen. Uh, and so we want to thank everybody. And, and I know, I know, uh, I know Jerry had served in the, in the um, uh, National Guard. I know Mr. Chris was in the military. Anybody else served in the military? I don't know anybody else. To, uh, which uh, branch did you serve in? You served in the Navy. I did not know that. Well, there you go. Well, thank you for your service. And, and um, uh, I was thinking I was telling somebody that my dad served in the Army Air Corps before there was an Air Force. He served in the Army Air Corps in World War II. And, um, uh, of course, he died when I was uh, 14 years old. So I never really got to talk to him much about his time in the military. But he was in World War II. And I knew he flew on a, one of the bombers. He, he flew so many uh, missions uh, in a B-17 bomber over uh, Germany. And I've got a bunch of black and white photographs from uh, a lot of bombing raids from World War II. And maybe I'll bring them in sometime and let you guys see them because they're really interesting uh, to see. You know, it shows on the, for each of the photographs, you know, where, they, where the raid was, what city was over in Germany and what the altitude it was. And it's got pictures of different things. So, uh, but he never, uh, like a lot of folks who served in wartime, uh, they, they don't talk a lot about that because, you know, the trauma of being involved in war, I just can't imagine being involved in that, you know, and having to take somebody else's life. And uh, I, even though we know why that has to happen sometimes, but still the fact that it has to be done, uh, a lot of the folks, uh, and even a lot of folks who were served in Vietnam, you know, it's rare that they'll talk about those times because of the trauma that they had gone through. Uh, and so, so we remember and, and thank everybody for their service and, uh, and know that uh, Jesus talked about that very thing here in, in John fifteen thirteen, that it's the greatest act of love. Uh, and so, uh, and so for you, Mr. Corey, you know, that was the greatest act of love. You know, even if you didn't recognize it when you was doing it, it's still Jesus recognized it and he takes note of that. Amen. Uh, and so that's, uh, I think that's a good thing. And so we thank everybody for that. Um, and so let's uh, stand and greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get into praise and worship. Father, you said that wherever your church is, Father, that the power of God is present to heal. Father, everywhere we go, every store we enter, Father, every building we go into, your power is present to heal because we are the containers of your power. We carry your power, Father, everywhere we go. The Spirit of God that lives in us, Father, is the power to heal. Father, you called him eternal life. You called him everlasting life. You called him power, Father. You called him glory. Father, we thank you for that spirit that dwells in us. Your spirit, Father, is the greatest power in all the universe. And Father, it has the power to heal and to deliver, Father, and to protect. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Father, we thank you for granting us the power of the Most High God to live on the inside of us, to let us carry that power, Father, into all the world. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for that power. Thank you. 
for the power of the Most High God. Thank you. Mr. Zeller, if it'd be okay, I'd like to pray for you. That's all right. I need to lay hands on you. Thank the Lord for his power. Amen. Goodness and kindness. Thank you, Father. And Father, I thank you for my dear friend, Mr. Zeller. Father, I thank you that you live on the inside of him. And Father, your power, your everlasting power, forces through his body. Makes this body strong. Well, goodness and kindness. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, we thank the Lord for the opportunity to worship together. Amen. We thank the Lord for his presence and his goodness. And it's always a good time to, uh, to worship the Lord. The Lord just, uh, it's just special and precious to the Lord for us to worship him. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. 
And it's a good time to train ourselves in the awareness of the presence of God, the awareness of, of his presence, because, you know, when we get out in the real world and, and uh, we're away from the church and away from the corporate anointing, you know, sometimes it's easy to get consumed with the things of this world. And uh, it's good to be able to recognize, you know, even when we're outside the church, the presence of God, because he will always lead us and guide us in all truth. He'll show us things to come. Uh, his desire, as far as the, the spirit of God, is that uh, we have the capacity to live our lives without failure and live our lives in complete and total victory. Amen. Uh, and that's really God's best, uh, is that uh, we as a church have the capacity to live a complete and, and total victorious life. Uh, and it's possible. Amen. Some people act like, well, you know, that, well, that'll never happen until we get to heaven. Well, it's sure worth the effort to try. Amen. And we can get pretty close if we'll just try. Amen. Uh, we're not going to quit before we start. And, and I remember... One time I was, uh, when, when my kids, one of my daughters was in high school, and so the, their class was building a uh, float. And, um, you know, you may not know it or not, but, uh, you know, I did design the winning float for many years when I was in college, right? And, and so if we'd like to have a signing after, after church, I'll be glad to sign your autograph, you know, for, for that. But, uh, uh, but nevertheless, uh, so they asked me to help design their float for their class. I think it was a freshman class. And so we designed a float for them, and I was helping them build this float uh, for their parade that they were going to have, and, um, uh, and so there was a teacher, of course, a teacher had to kind of oversee all that, and so the, the, we're working on there, and the teacher would come over there and say, well, you know, uh, students don't plan on winning because, you know, uh, you're a freshman class, and usually the, the seniors win, so, you know, don't plan on winning, just try, you know, that's all you got to do is just try, right, and, and, but you're not going to win, so, and she kept saying that, I'm thinking, you know, what? And, and, and then, she, then she looked at me and says, isn't that right, Mr. Bolio? Well, I didn't say anything because, you, know, um, you know, I don't think that way, right? And she said, well, you're not, they're not going to win. Isn't that right, Mr. Bolio? They, they should just try, right? And so I didn't say anything. And, well, isn't that right, Mr. Bolio? And finally I said, no, that's not right. They're going to try to do their very best. They're going to plan on winning. And if they don't win, it's fine. But we're not planning on losing. We're planning on winning. Uh, and, and, uh, and really, they had the best float. They didn't win, but they did have the best float. Uh, but, you know, you don't plan to fail. You, you plan on winning, amen? I plan on winning every day. I plan, and it's not that I win every single day, but uh, if you plan to fail, then you're going to fail. I can guarantee you, right? Uh, you know, and uh, one of the things that I always like, Brother Hagen said, he said, I'd rather shoot for 100% and get 50 of it than shoot for zero and get all of it. Uh, and many times in a church, we shoot for zero. And, and, you know, that way when you fail, you know, it's, well, then, of course, I'm going to fail because that's my plan, right? Uh, no, we should plan on succeeding Every day of our lives. Amen. A plan to fail is guaranteed to fail. Amen. Uh, but a plan to succeed is just as guaranteed to succeed. If you plan on succeeding with the power of the Lord, you can, you can succeed. And so uh, we have been teaching on overcoming on uh, Sunday mornings and our foundation scripture. If you want to open it up to John chapter 16, uh, verse 33, uh, Jesus said, These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. Well, then you, do you have the capacity to be at peace every day? Well, sure you do. Do you have the capacity? To, no matter, does he say, uh, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you have, might have peace unless a pandemic occurs, unless an epidemic occurs, unless the economy goes bad, then you can't have peace. Did he put any qualifications on this verse? No, uh, there, you have the right and the capacity as Christians to be at peace every day of your life, regardless of the circumstances. And to me, that's good news. Is that good news? Which should be good news. Well, hey, brother, you just don't understand. Oh, then if I don't understand, then neither did Jesus. 
uh, what Jesus didn't understand. You know, we live in the real world. Uh, you know, people in church like to say, well, we live in a real world. Well, no, the real world is heaven. That's the reality. Everything else is something could change. Jesus is never going to change. Amen. So all, everything you see here is temporary. That's not, that's not reality. Reality is, is, is whatever doesn't change. Well, that's Jesus. He, doesn't, he never changes. Amen. Uh, and so, and really, you know, one of the things the Lord taught me about faith many years ago is while we're on this earth, the primary purpose of faith. So we all have faith. The Bible says in Romans 12, 3, that we all been given a measure of faith and that faith can grow and increase and expand and, and get better. And in fact, uh, Paul told the Thessalonians it can be multiplied. So your faith doesn't have to just slowly grow, slowly grow. It can multiply by leaps and bounds. Amen. And the foundation of all faith is the word of God. But the primary purpose of faith is for you to change your circumstances to line up with the word of God. So if your body is not well, then your faith can be used to to transition your body from where it is to where it should be, which is the healed of God. Amen. Uh, If your finances aren't right, then you can use faith to transition your finances from where they should be to where they where they uh, where to, from where they are to where they should be, which is for you to have an abundant supply. Amen. Uh, if your mind is not right, if you if you just have just you know crazy thoughts all the time, you can use your faith to transition your mind from where it is to where it needs to be, where it can be, where it should be, which is the mind of Christ. Amen. So you can use your faith to transition everything in your life to line up with what the Word of God promises you. And that's the primary use of your faith uh, on this, in this life. Amen. Uh, we, we use our faith to start out with to believe that God is. But after that, once we believe that God is, then we use our faith to, to change our circumstances. So Jesus said you can have peace uh, in the midst of everything. In fact, he goes on to say, in the world you shall have tribulation. Oh, well, see, then you can't have peace. Yeah, if there's tribulation, there's no way to have peace. But Jesus just said you can have peace. He didn't say that peace ends when tribulation starts. Amen. Are we living in this world? Do you love the Lord? If you're living in this world and you love the Lord, there will be tribulation. Amen. There, there will be people who will hate you. There will be people who will shun you. People will be unkind towards you. Uh, and in the midst of all of that, you can have peace. Uh, and, and it's not always, you know, we know that, that uh, persecution ariseth immediately for the word's sake. But, you know, persecution comes about just because you're a child of God. And if you're going to live a moral life, a, a life that, that is godly, then people will persecute you for that. And it's amazing, you know, in, uh, and this is even in the church. People I know that love God, they say they love God anyway, they will lie, cheat, and steal on Monday morning. Every Monday morning, they'll lie, cheat, and steal. But on Sunday morning, they'll raise their hands, God, I love you, you know. But on Monday morning, they'll lie, cheat, and steal. And they look at you like you're odd. You mean you don't lie, cheat, and steal? I know. You mean you pay all your taxes? Yeah, I pay all my taxes. You know, even when we were starting the church, you know, we, we got together with the CPA. We wanted to find out, you know, how, how do we need to set up the church's finances and make sure that everything is right. And, uh, and I don't know if you know this or not, but all pastors are considered self-employed people. doesn't matter if we have a thousand people here and you give me a million dollars a year for salary. Uh, I'm still considered self-employed, which means I pay twice as much uh, Social Security taxes as, as uh, uh, people that work for companies. Uh, and, uh, and I didn't know that. The CPA told me that. Well, okay, that's no problem. You know, that's what it is. That's what it is. You know, we'll pay that taxes. And she looked at me. She said, "Uh, you're going to be easy. She said, most pastors fight tooth and toenail to not pay everything they're supposed to pay and try to find out some way to not do it. Uh, And, you know, I was talking to somebody just the other day. They were talking about some business deal that they had. And and, uh, they sold something and they said, well, you know, the person who bought it, they gave me uh, a bunch of money in cash. Why'd they say that? Because if it's in cash... 
they don't have to pay taxes, right? Uh, they say, I got out of paying taxes. Well, you may have, have technically got out of paying taxes, but you didn't morally get out of paying taxes, right? Taxes are taxes, right? Should, should taxes be as high as they are? I don't know. Are they wasting money like crazy? They are wasting money like crazy in, in, uh, in, in uh, Washington, D.C. Amen. But I'm not going to be concerned about paying my taxes because the Lord's my source, not the government. Amen. I know, you know, despite all the stimulus texts, the government is not our source. Amen. The Lord is our source. So I'm not going to I'm not going to be concerned about those things. I'm going to live a, a righteous life and expect the Lord to take care of me uh, regardless of, of what the economy is doing. Amen. I'm not going to cut corners and cheat and lie and steal and get away with things uh, to benefit my own self, because that just shows how fearful I am that I'm afraid God will not come through. Amen. And so Jesus said, in the midst of tribulation, can you have what? You can have peace. Amen. Well, that should be good news. Amen. Uh, what if I don't have peace? Well, then you go back to the promise. Say, well, Lord, right here it says I can have peace. And so, you know, if that's you and, and you know, there have been times when I wake up in the middle of the night worrying about something. Uh, and for me personally, every time that happens, and it doesn't happen very often. It's happened maybe once in the last many years, you know, that uh, I can't sleep because of worrying about something. Uh, but every time, without exception, first thing I always do is I always repent. Lord, I repent for worrying. Because worrying is a sign of lack of faith. Amen. And the Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. So I always, I always every single time, uh, always repent. Say, Lord, I, I, I need to repent for not walking in faith and for worrying about something, uh, whatever the, the thing is. And then the Bible says, cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. So I say, Lord, I just cast that care upon you. You deal with it however you want to. You deal with it uh, uh, in mercy. Uh, that's always my preference. Deal with it in mercy. But you deal with it however you want to, Lord. And in, in whatever time frame and, and ha uh, however you want to is fine with me. None of my business. But I'm going to cast that care upon you. Uh, because he said, I can have peace in the midst of tribulation. So if there's tribulation and I've lost my peace, then I've stepped outside from the faith of God. So I'm going to repent and get back into the faith of God because his promise is that I can live in peace uh, all the days of my life, no matter what tribulation I'm going through. Amen. And he said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, the church ought to be the most cheerful group of people ever to exist. Amen. Just happy and cheerful. You ever met somebody and, and, and uh, you're just, just, you know, uh, uh, been, been uh, uh, putting vinegar or something. I don't know what it is, but, you know, just sour and, and mad and unhappy. And, oh, they must be a church member, you know. Uh, no, the church members ought to be the happiest. For, I mean, worst thing you could do is kill me. I'm going to heaven. I mean, that's the worst thing you could possibly do to me. And I'm still going to heaven. Amen. Uh, so he said, be of good cheer. You know, we ought to be just cheerful people, happy people. Amen. Uh, and people, well, if I just could have this, I'd be happy. No, you would not be happy if you just had that. Because if, it's, if, it's, if you get that, then it's going to be something else. Amen. Uh, what's that? It just, it just break, right? And so, uh, no, you can be cheerful. He said, now he's talking about it. Now, on the one side, he's got peace. On the other side, he's got cheer. In the middle of it, he's got tribulation, right? It's like an Oreo cookie, right? You got one side, you got one thing. In the middle, you got, well, you, uh, it doesn't matter if you got tribulation. You should be at peace and you should be cheerful. Now, see, that's a promise. That's not, that's not something that God's going to make you do that. It's a promise that you have to apply to receive by faith. Well, Lord, you said I can be at peace and you, you said I could be cheerful. Uh, right in the midst of my tribulation. So if you're not at peace and you're not cheerful, then you've got to go and believe this verse. And you've got to go and say, well, Lord, I'm not living according to this verse. 
And so for me, I always repent. Lord, this verse is here. This verse shows me where I could be. I'm not doing what this verse says. So I always, I always repent. You know, nothing. Is anything wrong with repenting? Nothing wrong with repenting. I mean, be, uh, it doesn't hurt because he said that that's how I can live. I'm not living that way. So I, I always repent, first of all. And then I claim that promise. Well, then, Lord, I'm going to be at peace and I'm going to be full of cheer. I'm going to be happy. Uh, you know, the Bible, the, the world thinks that things are what you need to obtain happiness, right? A certain house, a certain car, and nothing wrong with a certain house or a certain car, you know, clothes or a certain income or whatever it is. And they say money can't buy happiness, but it's worth a shot anyway, right? Uh, that, no, we don't, we don't obtain happiness by finances. We don't obtain happiness because, uh, you know, people that say, if I could just have more money, I'd be happy. They wouldn't be happy. You know, people that I've known that were unhappy people and they, they obtained things, they're still not any happier than they were before they obtained the things. They're the same person. You're the same person before, during, and after. You're not going to change and become a different person because things come into your life. So you, you can learn how to be at peace and be full of cheer uh, regardless of the circumstances. And, and he says, and he tells you why. This is really why all of verse 33 is of value. Because the very end of this verse is, I have overcome the world. So if he's overcome the world, what's left to overcome? Whatever the circumstances in your life, has Jesus already overcome that? Whatever person comes in your life, brings unkindness or, or, or terrible words into your life, has Jesus already overcome that? He has. So why, why are we under pressure? Why are we not happy? Why are we not full of peace? Uh, you know, we, we should be at peace about every single thing, no matter what. Amen. And, you know, we all deal with things and we're not diminishing we're not trying to diminish the things that we deal with. We all have things that we deal with. We all, we all have people that we deal with. We all have jobs and we have uh, family members and situations and sickness and disease, you know, uh, that uh, hopefully doesn't come to us, but it may come to people that you know. Whatever it is that, that, that you've got, uh, has Jesus overcome that? He has. So why are we worrying about it? Whatever the circumstance, if Jesus has overcome it, didn't he say he's overcome the whole world? So what's left? Nothing, you know, and it probably extends to the space station, probably extends to the moon. You know, I mean, uh, if there's things to, to overcome, you know, so I mean, if we go to Pluto, Jesus, has, he, he's overcome that, too. Right. I don't think we'll ever make it to Pluto before he comes back. But uh, and who wants to be out there anyway? It's not even a real planet anymore. It's just they diminished it. Right. It's, it's a secondary. It's a I don't know what they call it anymore. It's a is it a satellite or something like that. You know what it's called, Jared? I don't know what it's called, but uh, um, it's a, is it a minor planet. I forget. What's that? A dwarf planet, that's right, that's right, you know. I mean, you can't even use dwarf anymore. It's just illegal to use that word. So uh, now they've got to politically correct, call it something else, I guess. But anyway, that's got nothing to do with here, here or there. But Jesus has overcome the whole world. That means there's nothing left, amen? And so, uh, you know, a while back, the Lord had just prompted me to go through uh, the book of Revelation in chapters 2 and 3. In chapters 2 and 3, Jesus went and talked to seven different churches. And he said, these seven, these seven churches, now, he, now how many churches you, you, were, you reckon there were after 100 years of Christianity? Because his book of Revelation was written nearly 100 years after uh, the church started, not quite that way. Uh, probably between 80 and 100 years after, after that, uh, probably, I guess, about 100 A.D., uh, when Jesus uh, spoke to John, the prophet, uh, and uh, spoke all of these things to him. And so the church had been going on for decades, right? Uh, and, and Paul had gone all over Asia and preached the gospel. And so by this time, you know, there's hundreds of churches, probably thousands of churches already in, in existence by this time uh, that Jesus spoke to John, appeared to John and spoke to him. But he picked seven churches out, out of the list. 
out of the group of churches. And he, and he wanted to go to each of these churches and, and tell them, you need to overcome. And here's what you need to overcome. And in studying this, you know, I realized, you know, a lot of times, especially in our charismatic faith world, we always like, well, we overcome, you know, I, I don't know, Revelation 12, 11 says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the word of his testimony, uh, word of our testimony. Amen. Uh, and that's part of overcoming is the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, which really tells you the blood of lamb is when you got born again. Right. And your testimony is really your primary testimony. Now, you do have a testimony prior to you getting born again, but your primary testimony is what has God done for you since you got born again. Amen. He's healed my body. He's kept me in peace. He's kept me. Uh, full of joy, full of cheer. Uh, that's really your testimony because everything else before you got born again is just what the devil did. Uh, and so, you know, th and sometimes it's helpful to know what, uh, what you came out of uh, and it can encourage people, well, if you came out of that, I can come out of that. So, you know, it, it's not that we don't, we don't ever want to uh, talk about those things. Or, uh, but really your testimony is what has God done for you since you, you've been born again? Amen. Uh, and so really... We only overcome because of the work of the blood of the lamb. That's why we have the ability to overcome. The blood of the lamb brought us uh, salvation, brought us the Holy Spirit, amen, brought us power into our lives. So the blood of the lamb is what, what purchased all of these things for us. That's why we overcome by the blood of the lamb, because it purchased victory for us. Uh, and so Jesus went to these seven churches uh, and he spoke several things about it. And the, the, the thing that I think is interesting is... Uh, Never one time did you say that you're going to overcome by using the name of Jesus. Now, can we overcome by using the name of Jesus? Sure. Uh, but, you know, those are kind of table stakes for the church. We should be overcoming certain things by the blood of Jesus every day, right? By the name of Jesus every day. Uh, that's our, the, the authority that the church resides in is all wrapped up in the name of Jesus, right? Uh, I know sometimes we get we kind of get our, our doctrine a little, little um, uh, off from the word of God and we start saying that the blood of Jesus is where our, our authority resides in. But no, the blood of Jesus is what purchased our authority. But the name of Jesus is where our authority resides in. Amen. <clears throat> and we've taught a lot about that. And so we're not going to go back over all those things. Uh, but when, he's, when he started going through these churches, we're, we're on the fourth church there, the church at Thyatira here. Uh, it's interesting that most of what he's doing in these seven churches is they've been in existence for a period of time. And he's really trying to tune these churches up. You know, if you own a vehicle for a long period of time, uh, you know, at some point in time, you've got to change the spark plugs and you've got to change the shocks. And, you know, back in the day, uh, I remember I, my first car uh, had a carburetor and it had uh, points, remember points, right? Distributor caps and points and the little thing spun around. And every time it, it made a connection, it would, it would ignite a certain spark plug with, well, that was a, distri a distributor cap and point. You had every now and then you had to change those things because those brushes would wear out and, uh, and, and uh, you'd have to tune up your car. Now it's all by computers and, you know, it takes a genius to, to open up the hood of the car anymore. Uh, and so, uh, but back then you had to, you know, you could do it yourself. And uh, I know some people still do th some things themselves and I'm glad they can. So, uh, but, you know, if you have anything for a period of time, it needs some tuning up, right? You've got to do some adjusting. Sometimes you've got to adjust... The carburetor. You ever try to adjust a carburetor? It's like voodoo, right? I mean, you, you turn this screw and, and, you know, and that guy's car over there quits working. Well, how'd that happen? I don't even know. <clears throat> and, and so, uh, you know, I've tried to tune up a carburetor before, like on a, on, a, on a lawnmower, and you turn it up, it starts great, but then only runs for five seconds. And well, you tuned it up too much, right? It's getting too much fuel or whatever. So uh, people that really are good at that can do that. I'm sure Johnny could tune up a carburetor. Uh, for me, I just, you know, what's this screw? Why, you know, 
Well, who knows? You know, you turn it a smidgen. Well, how'd you know to turn it a smidgen? Well, you just know that. Well, I didn't know that. But somebody knows how to turn it just the right smidgen amount to get it to work. So he's really going through these churches and he's tuning them up. Uh, and, he, and the thing that he's telling them, but you need to overcome. But the way that he's telling overcome is mostly things like repent. Remember, he told several of the churches to repent. Remember, do these things. Uh, be faithful. Amen. Don't fear. So uh, what's happening is in these churches that have been around for a while, you know, they've allowed a lot of these worldly things to get into their church. And he's saying, look, you've got to overcome. You already have the basics of, you know, the, the blood of the lamb, right? Revelation 12, 11. Uh, you already know those things. But you've allowed these other things to come into you, right? Uh, and you've got to tune them up. You've got to, uh, you know, sometimes you put in uh, uh, some kind of fuel cleaner, right? Fuel injection cleaner. You put that in your tank and, well, you know, you're not really changing anything, but you're getting all that crud off your fuel injectors so, so it'll run better. Uh, so the car's still the same. The carburetor is still the same. Your fuel injectors are still the same. But you've got to do some tuning up. And so really, he's going through these seven churches and he's trying to tune them up, get them to where they're operating correctly. Uh, and, and sometimes you've got to do that. You've got to review your own life and, and say, you know, Lord, I've got, I, I need some tuning up here. I've got to do some adjusting. You know, I, I was born again when I was 15 years old and, and uh, just received the Lord uh, just in my own bedroom. Right. Uh, uh, you know, the story that uh, we didn't grow up in church. I didn't know anything about church, but I always wanted to know the Lord. Even I remember all the way back at second grade, I was praying to the Lord. And, and um, uh, but we never went to church. We were a Catholic family, but we had 11 children. And so, you know, you, you know where you go when you've got 11 children. You don't go anywhere. Right. I mean, you don't go out to eat. You don't go visit people. You know, nobody comes to visit you. I never had friends over. Right? never spent the night at a friend's house ever. In, in the you know, all the time growing up. Uh, and, and so. Uh, but I got born again because uh, uh, on, on Sunday morning is when we'd watch all the all the really uh, intelligent shows. Right. We'd watch all the Three Stooges. Right. We'd watch all the wrestling shows, you know, all the really good stuff, all the really, you know, uh, the stuff that really you learn a lot from. Right. Because I guess you can learn a lot from the Three Stooges. But uh, uh, and so and, and, you know, and I still don't know why, you know, Larry, Moe and Curly. Well, was always a different uh, Curly. Right. It's like they I don't know if the other Curly would die off or something. They'd get another Curly. And uh, <clears throat> but, you know, but it, but in between all that stuff, every now and then it'd be a church, uh, you know, a church would show up on TV. Of course, we wouldn't watch it, but sometimes it'd be on because, you know, right before the church was the Three Stooges. And so it would come on. And, but I remember one day a, a fellow said, well, you, you know, uh, you, you get to know the Lord by asking Jesus to come into your heart. And I just remember thinking, well, I can do that. I mean, so I just went up in my bedroom and asked Jesus to come into my heart. And, and someday when I get to heaven, I'll find out who that was. And I'll go and thank him for preaching that particular sermon on that Sunday morning on my TV, you know, you only had three channels, right? Two, three, and five, right? Uh, and so, or two, four, and five, right? Because three, I don't know why, what was wrong with three? Whatever was wrong with three, you know, you couldn't use it, but you could use channel two and channel four and channel five. And it had to get up and actually, remember, you had to manually change the channel, right? So that's why you had kids. So, hey, get up and change the channel. Uh, and so, so they could get up and change the channel. But, and so they, he told me how to get born again. So uh, I got born again, uh, just, in my, just praying to the Lord myself. Uh, and uh, and then, of course, uh, that was uh, uh, just before that, about four months or so before that, my dad had died. And then about five months after that, my, my mother died. And so uh, then I moved in with the family and uh, we started going to church. And so it was about a year after I was born again. So a whole year. 
I was talking to the Lord and just, uh, now you've got to understand this, you know, now I'm 16 years old. Uh, and so I've been born again a whole year, like my whole life, you know. And so I'm just talking to the Lord and, and said, Lord, you know, I just feel like I just haven't done right by you in my whole year that I've been saved, right? And not knowing anything about the Lord. I feel like I haven't done right by you. So I'm just going to rededicate my life and I'm going to get born again again. Now, of course, I didn't know that you, don't, you only need to get born again once. But, you know, when you're 15, 16 years old, you don't really know everything there's to know about the Bible, right? Uh, and, and having never read the Bible, I didn't know all these things. And so, but, but what I did is I just rededicated my life. And so I started reading the Bible every day, an hour every day, and, and reading through the whole Bible. And, and um, you know, you can read, it's amazing how much of the Bible you can read in an hour. You ever notice that? You know, you say, wow, I get so much to read. But you read for an hour? I mean, you get through a whole book or two in an hour easily. Uh, and so, uh, but that was when I was 16 years old. So I was just, uh, you, you know, in that one year, I didn't know enough even to know how to live for the Lord. And, and having gone to church, you know, 50 times or so in, the, in that year, you know, I learned a few things about how to live for the Lord. And I realized, you know, having been born again for an entire full year, right, that I hadn't done as good a job as I could have. So I just rededicated my heart to the Lord uh, in, that, in that year. I said I got born again again, which, of course, I didn't really do that. But, uh, you know, uh, the Lord doesn't uh, fault you for your ignorance if, if, you know, you've only been born again a year, right? Uh, and so, uh, but really what I was doing is, was what the Lord was doing here for these churches. I was just tuning up my life back to line it up with the Word of God. And so he's telling these churches here how to tune up your lives to get uh, lined up back with the Word of God. And so we're here in, in uh, chapter 2 of the book of Revelation. And so in all of these things, as he's telling them the things that they need to adjust, he's telling them you need to do these things so that you can be an overcomer. You already know the basics of the blood of Jesus. You already know the basics of the name of Jesus. You already know the basics of the Holy Spirit. But you've allowed this crud to come into your lives. And so get rid of these things. And, and, and you think uh, that if he spent the time to record these things that the churches are failing, that those are relevant for us today. I mean, you know, from my perspective, anything that the, that the head of the church, the Lord Jesus, has chosen to record in his words uh, in his word are relevant for us today. And if he specifically went to seven churches and said, here's some things that you need to adjust that, uh, that are causing you to, to limit how much you're overcoming. And if you'll make changes, you can be an overcomer. Seems like that would be pretty important for us today, today to learn. Amen. Because has anything changed? You know, you go, we're in the fourth church, but if you look at the other churches, the things that they failed in, have we seen other churches in the world fail for those exact same reasons? Have we ever uh, looked at church history and see churches failing in these same exact things? Have you ever failed in some of these same ways that these churches have failed in? Well, well surely uh, we have seen that happen. Amen. Some of us have failed in some of these ways that these churches have failed in. Uh, and so uh, if Jesus, the head of the church, thought that it was important enough to record these, then it seems like it'd be good for us to, to study what he said. And so that's, that's really uh, why we're doing this. So we got down to the church of Thyatira, and I'll just read these uh, verses real quick here, and then we'll, look, we'll continue on with what uh, he'd already said, so we're not going to go back and rehash everything about this church here. Uh, but he said, uh, verse 18, And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and thy charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. And we talked about how 
uh, in six of the churches, Jesus always commended them for things they were doing good. Uh, one of the church couldn't find anything good about them. You know, uh, they always say, well, if you can't find anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Jesus never lived by that rule, right? Uh, if, there was, if there was nothing good to say, he'd still say whatever was to, what needed to be said. Amen? Uh, and so uh, he said, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest or allow or put up with that woman Jezebel who calleth herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things, off, off, eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent for her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and then that commit adultery with her into a great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Uh, and so, so the issue here is they've got some woman in the church. You know, now, she's not the Jezebel of the Old Testament. She's just, she just happens to be uh, named Jezebel. And, you know, I'd encourage you, if you're going to have children, don't name them Je Jezebel, right? I mean, every Jezebel we know in the Bible is not a very good person. So, I mean, if you're stuck with the name of Jezebel, you know, there is a legal way to change your name. And I don't really care if you call Jezebel, none of my business anyway. But, but you know, if you have a choice uh, and you still have an opportunity, you know, maybe that's a good thing. Uh, and so, but she was in the church and, and she was teaching a lot of these things. He goes on, talks about things that the other people, other churches have taught about. But several of the churches we've already looked at, there's a lot of fornication going on in churches. And, that, you know, fornication, just, you know, physical relations outside of, of the marriage vow. Uh, and, you know, can we change yesterday? We can't change yesterday. So who cares what happened yesterday? What, ha what matters is what's going on today, right? Uh, and so this is, not, this is not, Jesus didn't say, well, you did this a long time ago and, you, and you've stopped doing it. So you're a terrible person because you did it once. He's not talking about their past, right? He's talking about their present. So a lot of the times we in the church love to dig up your past. Uh, let me go out to your graveyard and dig up a few uh, skeletons. You want to? I mean, uh, how many grave robbers are there in the church? Well, I know you did that 27 years ago. Well, so what did you do 27 years ago? Well, we don't have to talk about me, right? Uh, does the Lord care what you did 27 years ago? Uh, especially if, if you've repented about it, you know, does he care about it at all? No, he says he cast it into the sea of forgetfulness, right? So he's not, he's not digging up skeletons out of their closet things they did in the past he's talking about things they're doing right now amen and and sometimes the church is the world's worst about what have you done in wrong in your life you know i remember i was reading a story about uh, this lady she was a pastor's wife but before she was a pastor's wife she was uh, a lesbian she lived a lesbian lifestyle talked about it you know and uh, and um, what she was doing and uh, and one day you know she she started getting the light from the lord that that's wrong so she repented, got out of that lifestyle, you know, got born again, got into the church, got married a pastor's wife. And now they're they're uh, in their denomination. They would go to different churches and the church would, you know, uh, vote on. Do we want you as our pastor? And so they were at this church to see if it was a good fit for them. And so the pastor was in the in the room getting basically grilled by the, by the elder board. Asking, you know, theological questions or whatever. And so she was with the, with the wives of the elders. And, uh, and, and, and so they were just talking about, hey, you know, tell us about yourself. Well, I used to be a lesbian, you know. <laughs> and they're like, oh, and all the oxygen was sucked out of the room. Don't say that. You know, don't tell anybody that. Why not? I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm obviously married to a man now, you know. And so, wow, well, don't, you know. We don't. And, and I'm thinking, well, what in the world? Now, we don't want to glorify the devil, right? We don't want to brag about what the devil did, what we did for the devil before that. But, you know, if someone says, hey, you ever, you ever, you ever smoked in your life? Well, yeah. <gasps> I can't believe you did that, you know. Uh, you know, I told you I used to cuss when I was 12 years old, right? When I was 12, I decided it's time to cuss, you know. I'm 12 now. I'm, I'm a man. 
And so I started cussing when I was 12. And I, but even though I wasn't saved, I'd get so convicted. I get, I mean, I, and I still, I have to, one day I have to find out, Lord, why was I so convicted for that? Because I wasn't saved. But I get under so much conviction when I would cuss, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, and I was trying to work up to the big cuss words, right? I'd say the little cuss words, you know. But I was trying to, I was trying to work my way up to it. I never could get there. And finally, I just gave it up as a lost cause. I, I'm just a failure at cussing. I'm just not going to do it anymore. Uh, and so I don't cuss. You, know, you, you ever heard me cuss, right? I've been married for 32 years. Ask my wife. She never heard me cuss, not a single time. Ask my kids. You know, there's one back there. You know, you ever heard me cuss, Jared? No, you never heard me cuss. Never will hear me cuss. Uh, and so, but, you know, if I told somebody, you know, I used to cuss when I was 12. <sighs> don't say that, you know. Don't tell anybody that. You know, we don't need to be digging up skeletons. Amen. Uh, I mean, who cares? I could care less what you did yesterday. Uh, one of the greatest evangelists I've known, he's talking about how, how he was a heroin dealer. Sell heroin. He called it heroin. Yeah, I used to sell heroin. Uh, and and um, I don't care that he used to be a heroin dealer. Now, if he was still a heroin dealer, we'd probably have issues with, why are you preaching if you're a heroin dealer? You know, I don't, you don't need to be preaching if you're a heroin dealer. But, you know, he would talk about how he was a heroin dealer and, and all of some of the crazy stories that he went to. You know, Brother Randy, you know, he, uh, he'll be here in August. And uh, uh, he got born again on his third escape from jail. You know, that's he got, you know, he uh, he's pretty good at escaping. Right. Uh, uh, I mean, he's escaped three times. And, and on the third time, the Lord said, this is your last shot. You need you need to accept me now or, or there won't be another shot. You know, and, yes, sir. I'd be glad to do that. Uh, and then, you know, of course, uh, the Lord told him, you go turn yourself into the, the police. Uh, and he thought, OK, the, the Lord's the Lord told me to go turn myself into the police. That means he's going to get me off. No, he went to prison. And he went to prison and he said, you have life without parole because he had the three strike rule back then. Right. Uh, and so uh, he'd get his parole papers once a year. It says uh, you'll be paroled in a month of none, which means that he was in there for life. No chance of parole. And, and of course, he got out. He got paroled and he, he not only got paroled. He later on got a full pardon. Of course, spiritually speaking, he already got a full pardon. But but just like the church sometimes is the Lord will give you a full pardon. But we're going to be a little slower to give you a full pardon, right? I mean, I'm going to remember what you did a little longer than the Lord does. Well, the Lord gave Brother Randy a full pardon when he was in prison. Uh, and the, it took years for the world to catch up with him. Well, it takes the church sometimes years to keep, catch up with the Lord Jesus. You've gotten a full pardon, but am I going to give you a full pardon? You know, I may hang on to it for just a little longer, right? And some people like love to hang on your yesterdays forever, amen? And so, so Jezebel... You know, going on in the church, a lot of lot of wife swapping going on in the church, a lot of fornication going on in the church. Uh, and why do you think Jesus is telling us this? Why do you think Jesus is telling us the church? What do you think is going on in the church today? Well, same thing. So what's what's caught? What, what's the result of that? Well, the result is they're not overcoming. Amen. You know, a lot of churches kind of like to brag about, hey, we're, we're you know, we're sort of worldly. You know, we, we kind of, you know, we're we, uh, in fact, you know, one one fella told me. And I, I didn't say nothing to him. I mean, none of my business, right? But whatever church uh, they go to, they're very worldly, right? They have, you know, rock and roll, you know, secular songs they sing. And they got fog machines and disco ball lights and whatever, you know, look like a honky tonk. And I mean, none of my business, not my church, right? But he's telling me all these things. He says, well, you know, we have a lot of youth come to our church. So you can't, you can't argue with success. I'm thinking, well, well, what's your measure of success? You know, if your measure of success is the hearts of people, well, that's great. But if your measure of success is a warm body, how is that? A, have you changed that warm body to be a, a reflection of the Lord Jesus? Has that person now, do they look like the Lord Jesus? Or do they just look like the world 
that's sitting in your church, right? And so they said, we well, can't argue with success. And, and I'm thinking, well, but your measure is wrong. I mean, you, how you're measuring success is wrong. You know, if, you're not, if, if the world comes in, and we, don't we want the world to come in? We want the world to come in, you know? But we want the world to come in and then start to look like the Lord Jesus more every day. Amen. You know, uh, I was in a, in a, it was a youth meeting one time and I wasn't doing the meeting. I was just in attendance there. And they had, they had youth come up and, and give a testimony. And youth after youth after youth kept saying the same thing. Well, you know, uh, I finally found out that God accepts, accepts me for who I am. That's one of the biggest lies of the devil. Because there's a little bit of truth. But it's mostly a lie because a little bit of truth is, yes, God accepts you exactly the way you are. But the minute you accept him, you'll never stay the same. You'll begin to look more like him every day. So if your goal is to is God to accept you for the way you are and you are allowed to stay the way you are, then you will never grow as a Christian. Because our goal is to. But when we breathe our last breath on the air, that we look the most like the Lord Jesus ever. Amen. Now, we don't look like the Lord Jesus yet, but we've got to look more like him every day. Because do we talk like him? Do we walk like him? Do we, do we have the miracles that he, that he did yet? Well, we don't quite have those things yet. But we should strive for it. Amen. And if there's any hindrances in our lives, then we need to set those hindrances aside to look more like the Lord Jesus. Because a lot of people are like, I don't want to give it up. That's fine. Don't give it up. But it's, it's going to be a dead weight to you. Amen. Remember what he told us in Hebrews? Lay aside every what? Weight and sin that uh, that hinders you amen every weight in sin so it's not just uh you know the list of sins whatever the list of sins you are there's always a lot you know people love to have lists of sins well you know unkindness is, is a sin too right gossip is still a sin right uh and you know they like to talk about the big sins like fornication right well yeah that's a i don't know if it's a big sin and this other one's a little sin i think they're all sins right but uh so so in all of those things we need to look like the like the lord jesus and so uh, on a regular basis, the Lord's going to say, hey, for you, this thing right here, you need to set that aside, you know, because it, it's a hindrance to you. Now, uh, if it's just a hindrance, see, that may not be a hindrance for somebody else. Right. I had a friend of mine. The Lord said, hey, you stop eating French fries. Well, why? Because he he was starting to look like a French fry, you know, greasy, you know, uh, and uh, full of potatoes. Uh, and, and the Lord said, you know, you got to for you, you got to stop. But, you know, has the Lord ever told you to stop eating French fries? What about you? You still, you still eat a French fry? I know you eat French fries, Johnny, you know. Has the Lord ever told you to stop eating French fries? If he has, you better stop, but he hasn't told you, right? So that's just a wait for that one guy, right? Um, and now, you see, if he set it aside, and he did. He was telling me about this one time when he was at a restaurant. He said, the Lord told me to quit eating French fries. I said, man, that's great. Can I have your fries? Because he got a fries with a meal, you know. So I'm thinking, this is an opportunity for me. I can eat more French fries. And so... Uh, so there is going to be plenty of things that the Lord tells you to lay aside. And if you're, an, if you're a good student of the word, if you're a humble servant of the Lord, then, then our response should be, yes, sir, I'd be glad to do that. But if you say, oh, I can't give that up. Well, then you'll live with that weight all your life. Uh, now, I know we can be religious. And I mean, there are certain people I get around. I, I don't tell them anything I do because everything I do is a sin. Well, you know, I turn the TV on. Oh. I had a friend of mine I used to work with. Uh, we came into work on a, on a Monday. I said, hey, did you see the game yesterday? Whatever game, you know, football game or whatever. You know, I don't have a TV in my house. Like, okay, well, you're one of those, right? He said, we watch everything on DVD. Or I don't have cable, I guess is what he said. We, we, we watch everything on DVD. I said, what's the difference? 
It's just a slow TV, right? I mean, you know, I've got live TV. you got slow TV. Is there anything different? Uh, I mean, it's, but he was, you know, we don't, we don't watch cable, you know. Oh, you mean I have a TV? Oh, we've got plenty of TVs. We just watch everything on DVD. And they stream it too, right? They had streaming, you know, they still got streaming service now, so we don't have cable. Like, that's, like God's like, oh, you don't have cable. You know, aren't you spiritual? Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of things I don't tell people that I do because it's, it's you know, certain people, you get around certain people and you can't do anything, right? I went to a restaurant. I don't go to any restaurants that serve alcohol. I mean, what in the world, right? I mean, you know, I don't go to any restaurant, you know. Yeah, and so it's just, it's just always, it's always a thing, right, you know, with, with people. So I just, a lot of people, I just don't even tell them, you know. And so, you know, you don't have to, uh, I mean, could you, is there a lot of good stuff on TV? Well, I mean, there's, you know, we got a, like a thousand channels and you got like 700 channels of Christian TV. And, you know, of course, I don't, I don't watch much Christian TV because I tend to throw my shoe at the TV, you know, because I say something crazy. You just, well, that ain't right. Uh, and so. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, I can pull up my TV and watch YouTube, watch Brother Hagen, Lester Sumrall, you know. I mean, you can watch all that stuff on, even on the, online there. So, uh, but the point of it is here in, with the church of Thyatira is in the church, there was a lot of fornication going on. And they're not the only church. Several of these churches, there was a lot of, lot of uh, fornication going on. Uh, and why do you think the Lord told them that? Because it's still going on in the church today. You know, I can't tell you how many ministers I know uh, Dr. Ed Dufresne, uh, when he was on the earth, Lord told him to call out, you know, people that were wife swapping in church. Uh, Jesse DePlanis, you ever heard him tell that story when the Lord called and said, you call them out, you know, they're wife swapping in church. Uh, and, and sometimes churches get that and, and they almost kind of like the first Corinthians chapter five church kind of brag about it. Almost like, look at us. We're cool and hip. You know, we're, we're, we're advancing, you know, but advancing in sin is not an advancement for heaven. Amen. Now I know you can be, you, you can get so stuffy and so religious that you can do nothing right oh we don't you know we don't go to the beach uh, you know there's some people who don't oh you shouldn't you shouldn't swim i mean based on what book chapter verse you know i don't know you know I mean, we like to play racquetball you know we don't do that worldly stuff i just you know sometimes people get so religious it just it's just i don't like being around them right jesus never talked about going to the beach or you know, I understand you can you can get to a point where all your life is about pleasure and entertainment and you never spend any time with the Lord. You never read the Bible. You never go to church. I understand that things can get out of balance, but that, those are weights, right? There's no sin in and of itself in going to the beach. There's no sin in and of it. But could it be a weight? Sure it could be. You know, if it, uh, Sunday morning is the best time to go to the beach because no one's there. Well, yeah, because they're all in church, right? At least in Tennessee they are. Uh, and so... Uh, uh, but these things are going on in the church. If Jesus spent the time to talk to the church 2,000 years ago that there was all this fornication going on in the church, what do you think is going on today? Still going on today. Amen. Still. Uh, why, why is it going on today? Because as long as there's people, they're going to do things. that aren't. So he's saying you're doing this and it's a hindrance to your overcoming. You'll never overcome as long as you're involved with this. And he, and he went on and talked about uh, these things. Uh, uh, and... and uh, he said, verse 24, but I say unto you and unto the rest of Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, would have not known, which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. So he called this fornication the depths of Satan. You know, the Lord's design always was that a man and a woman get married and then they can do whatever they want to, right? The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the marriage bed is undefiled. None of our business, what people do in closed doors, uh, if they're married, 
Uh, and then that's kind of the end of the discussion. There's not, there's not a lot of details beyond that other than uh, a man must marry a woman, right? Well, what if you love each other? Well, you know, uh, and it's really a Christian man marrying a Christian woman, right? Uh, and uh, have small wars fought in the church about this? They have, but I don't know why. Jesus is really clear about it, amen? He talked about it in the Gospels. He talks about it in the Old Testament. He talks about it in the New Testament with Paul. who had a lot to say about marriage. Uh, and yet, the, uh, because this is such a strong covenant with the Lord, because really the, the, the deal with the marriage is that the marriage is a reflection of the church. There's a covenant between two people, just like there's a covenant between us and Lord Jesus. That's why the marriage is so important. And that's why the enemy hates the marriage, because it's a reflection of the covenant that the Lord has with his church. Uh, and so the, 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 the devil's always trying to destroy the marriage because if he can destroy the marriage, he thinks he can destroy the covenant that God has with the church. And so uh, it, it's not even a big deal. I mean, it shouldn't be a big deal, but people fight over it. You know, I mean, you know, the, the United Methodist Church is, is splitting, you know, they're called the United Methodist Church, but they're splitting because of marriage. Right. Uh, and and uh, this whole thing about same sex marriage and, uh, and lesbianism, and homosexuality. You know, these things are not hard to figure out. The, the Bible is really clear about all those things. Uh, and yet it's because we, we, we struggle with compromise. We struggle with, well, if we do right, some people will not be happy and they will leave and take their money with them. But what's the alternative? Is to appease sin and to appease the fornication or appease these? That's what they did in 1 Corinthians. Uh, remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 5? They appeased the sin of the fornication that was going on in there. And, and so... Uh, you know, these things ought not be uncomfortable for us. Uh, what if you were involved in that yesterday? Who cares what you were involved with yesterday, right? I don't care what you was involved with yesterday. Now, if you're involved with it today, we might have to have a conversation. But look, there, were, there was a couple that was coming to church here years ago, and, and they were living together. They weren't married. Uh, now, you know, the, the fellow said he was just there because he wanted to sleep with her. Um, he didn't even love her. He told me, I don't love her. I just, you know, well, you're, that's a terrible person. You know, at least if you loved him, you know, it's still not right, but at least, you know, uh, I mean, if you're just sleeping with them because you just want someone to sleep with, well, you're a horrible person, right? You don't care about that person. You're a very selfish individual. But I said, look, come to church, you know, listen to the word, uh, because I'm not looking for perfect people. I'm, I'm wanting to make perfect people, but I'm not looking for people to come here perfect. If they were already perfect, then you don't need me. If you're perfect, you don't need a pastor at all. Amen. So, and I encourage you to come to church. I know, I know what you're doing. But I don't care. I don't care in the sense that if, you're, oh, if you have an open heart, the Lord will deal with you at the right time. Amen. There's all kinds of people who get saved. And the day after they get saved, you know, they're not exactly fully sanctified. I told you about the one pastor up in Minnesota that uh, he got saved. And he was, I think he, he had been in the Navy because, you know, the Navy people are the worst people, right? Uh, and so, um, but uh, he'd been in the, in the military and the, somebody needed a devil cast out of him. And the pastor said, well, you, you know, he picked this young Christian. I don't know how you pick a young Christian to go cast a devil out, but he did. He said, you, you and you and you go back room and cast the devil out. And so they did. So he got back there and, he, and they started casting the devil out. And he, he said, well, you blankety blank, 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 blank devil. Uh, he just used all the same words he used yesterday. Uh, it, well, you know, no, no need to cuss the devil. It's not necessary. But, you know, he didn't know. Uh, and was he sanctified yet? No, I'm sure he's sanctified now. Uh, but, uh, you know, things are going to happen. Uh, and so it's not about the perfection. It's about what are we willing to, to do for the Lord. Amen. If he reveals to us that, that particular thing is something we don't need to do, 
then we need to be willing. Yes, sir, I'll be glad to do it. Now, it's not what, what the world or even the church has a list of things. We can't do this because, you know, I told you people come to the church all the time and they tell us, well, you can't, you know, you can't celebrate Easter. Okay, fine. You can't celebrate Christmas. Okay, fine. Well, you know, you can't have church inside the, the sanctuary or have a church meal because we usually eat over there. You can't do that either. Okay, well, you can't have church on Sunday. Okay. Uh, you, you know, you can't play, you know, certain music. Okay. I mean, by, by the time you list all the things you can't do, you really can't do anything, right? And so I don't really care what people come and say, well, you can't do this or that. I mean, one person told me I can't use a book other than the Bible to teach from like for healing school. That's wrong. Based on what book chapter? You got book chapter verse about that? You know, they're just making things up, right? Well, you're just doing it wrong. Okay. Who asked you? <laughs> I mean, you know, so sometimes you want to ask people about stuff like that. Uh, and and um, uh, so anyway, it's just if you if you stop doing everything the, the, the uh, people tell you you can't do, then there wouldn't be anything to do. So um, we're about out of, out of time. Um, but, he, but he did give them... Um, well, I didn't get to where I wanted to get to it because he did. One of the things he told me was to hold fast uh, to some things. Uh, and uh, and we'll have to just pick that up next week. But part of overcoming is holding on to the things that you know are good. You know, how many times has the devil tried to get you to to let go of things you know are good? Uh, you know, uh, there are people that that uh, I knew when my, when my pastor was alive, you know, I was with him for like 20 years and uh, faithful people come to church all the time. But, but after he died, they just quit coming to church. You know, they'd come uh, every now and then. And, and, and what had happened? They let go of these good things. Because church is where you're supposed to go to be encouraged and to be trained and to be taught. So that you can take that information, that knowledge, that, that training. And go out into the world and, and win, the God, win the world for the, for the Lord. Amen. Uh, and, and so if you're not going to church, where are you getting your training from? Where you get where you getting your instruction from? Uh, well, I can get it all from TV. The Lord never told you uh, to get it from TV. Amen. Uh, and so, because who's going to lay hands on you? That you're going to call that TV preacher and say, "Hey, come lay hands on me." He's going to visit you in the hospital. He's going to help you, you know, uh, when in times of need. Uh, they're not going to come, you know, leave leave their TV studio and come lay hands on you somewhere, and because they're, they're not called to do that. Amen. The pastor's called to do that, uh, and so. Uh, so, uh, but we've got to get to, to, for the church at Thyatira, to the instructions that he gave to them about, here's for you, here's how you need to overcome. And again, it wasn't the name of Jesus, using the blood of Jesus or anything like that. It was, uh, the first one was to repent, which we talked about that, about, uh, you know, all you that hang around Jezebel, walk away, right? Uh, and, um, and listen, there was a time, I'll tell you this one ago, I remember years ago that, um, um, you know, the Lord is kind and gracious to us. Amen. And if you'll be sensitive to your spirit, he'll always remember. He said, lead us not into, temp temp into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, uh, he'll always do that. There's always a way out every single time. And so I, I remember years ago that uh, my lawnmower was broke or something. And a buddy of mine said, hey, just come by and get my lawnmower. OK, fine. No problem. So I went by his house, to get his lawnmower. Well, he wasn't there, but his wife was there. Uh, and, and so uh, but she. Uh, and, and this was the only time this ever happened. And you don't know who it was, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but, um, but she came up. And when she came up, she got really close to me. And when she did, everything on the inside of me says, run. Uh, and so, you know, normally I, we've known them for years, right? We, we're nearly best friends with them for years, right? 
but he wasn't there and I was there by myself and I didn't go in her house or anything. Uh, but, um, uh, but just all the bells and whistles went off. So I grabbed the lawnmower and it was almost rude. I got to go. And see, the Lord will show you those things. Amen. He will help you to avoid those things. Now, nothing happened. She didn't do anything. Of course, I didn't do anything. Uh, but I don't know what would have happened if I had stayed. Right. Because, you know, she had a daughter who wasn't home. Uh, and uh, and so the, uh, there are things that the Lord will will help you to avoid. Amen. And he told he told the, the church at Thyatira, Jezebel, don't be around her. Now, I'm not saying my friend was a Jezebel, but in that moment, there was a moment there that, that uh, uh, you know, every moment before then, nothing ever happened. Every moment after that, nothing ever happened. But that one moment, something might have happened if I had stayed. Now, what would happen? I don't know. Don't really care. I, the Lord said to run. I run. Amen. And that's the only time he's ever told me to run was that one time. Uh, and so, and sometimes he may tell you to run, right? You get around certain people, you got to run. And so, uh, and that's, that's helpful, amen? That, that's why I love him, because he'll always keep me from, from danger, amen? Uh, so he's telling the church at Thyatira the same thing. Jezebel, don't be around her. Repent first, and then leave her alone. Uh, but he did say he gave her a space to repent, remember that? So, you know, a lot of times people make a mistake or, or fail. Now, she didn't just make one mistake. She was teaching and instructing how to sin. Now, so she was, she was advanced degree of sin. But he still said, I've given her space to repent. Amen. And so we in the church should, should be as kind as, as the Lord Jesus is. Amen. Give people space to repent. Because we want to bury everybody. If you make one mistake, you're dead. We're going to bury you in the backyard. You ever seen uh, churches that got all kinds of uh, cemeteries around them? What happened? You know, they sinned. They shot them. Buried them in the backyard, right? I mean, it, it's uh, tough to go to certain churches, right? They shoot you and they bury you in the backyard immediately. I mean, it's just, wow, it's a tough place to be, right? Uh, and so we'll look at... Um, uh, we need to look at a little bit more things. Specifically, I want to I go through uh, the, the things that Jesus told him to hold fast onto because there will be times the devil tries to take things out of your life and you need to hold on to them uh, and hang on to them. Uh, hold, hold fast means to grab a hold of and not let go for anything. Amen. Uh, and there are times in your life where uh, the devil is really trying to pry something out of your life. And whatever that is, maybe it's your Bible reading or maybe it's your church or maybe it's your... Uh, your marriage or whatever. He's trying to break that one thing because that one thing has been a great rock uh, and a source of strength for you. And he's going to pry that out of your hands if he can. And so there are things that Lord Jesus told the church. You've got to hang on to these things. Amen. And, and so hanging on, you know, is helpful to us in our lives and it will help us overcome. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for blessing us, Father, and speaking to us each and every day. We thank you that you live on the inside of us, Father, and that you bring strength and peace and wisdom to our lives. So, Father, we thank you for these things. And, Lord, just in the, in the next times and seasons of our lives, we thank you that you will show us things that, that the enemy has arrayed against us that he's trying to pry out of our lives. And, Father, we'll be like the church of Thyatira. We'll hang on to those things. We'll hold fast to them, Father, and not allow the devil to take them out of our lives. And so, Father, we thank you for these things. And we give you all the praise and the honor and the glory for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And I was just thinking about this, and I, I want to read a verse here in um, the, the book of Le Leviticus. Uh, and so we've got to get over there. Over in um, you've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. 
over in uh, Leviticus chapter 27. Uh, so this is Moses talking about the tithe. And he says in verse 30, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, it is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. And, and you all are, are faithful to give, to give tithes unto the Lord. And we thank you for that. Uh, but one of the things, you know, I want to encourage you about uh, in your giving is the, especially the tithes, the Lord considers them holy. Uh, and so, you know, uh, every time you give your tithes unto the Lord, always treat it as something that's precious. Amen. In fact, he calls it his, right? It's not, you're not giving your tithes to the Lord. You're giving his tithes to him, right? He called them his. Uh, and, but they're precious. Amen. Every time you give to the Lord, it's precious to him. Uh, and it's important. Amen. And, and you know, we're going to go through a whole financial uh, study here. But, uh, you know, of course, we've got tithes and we've got offerings. But um, uh, every single time you give, uh, and it doesn't really matter what you give. You know, this is talking about specifically about the tithe, which is important to do that. But, uh, you know, if you're giving your tithes and you want to give a nickel or something, uh, and maybe you can't afford your tithes yet. You know, you should be able to. But, uh, but even if you give a nickel, it's still precious to the Lord. Amen. It's important to him. Uh, and if it's important to him, we should always treat it as something holy. Amen. And we should always treat our, our giving to the Lord as holy and not just, uh, well, it's just, you know, I have to do it or, you know, it doesn't mean anything. Well, it's only a dollar. You know, don't ever say it's only a dollar. Uh, it's always precious to the Lord because you remember we talked about this a few weeks ago that every time you give uh, whatever it is, say it's a dollar, uh, that dollar you spent some amount of your time in your life to obtain that dollar. So you're really exchanging your life. You're really giving your life to the Lord. That's an equivalent of a dollar, right? Uh, and, and so you're giving part of your life to the Lord. That's why it's so precious to him that uh, you're exchanging your life uh, for the benefit of his ministry. Uh, and so just remember that as you give, that it's holy, it's precious to the Lord. Amen. It's not a minor thing. And so let's thank the Lord for the opportunity to give today. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give. Father, it's an honor to give. You've been so good to us, Father, that we thank you that we have the opportunity to give into your kingdom. And Lord, we thank that as we give, that all the finances that this ministry needs, Father, will come to pass. Uh, Father, that we'll be able to accomplish uh, what you've asked to do, Father, that requires finances. So, Father, we thank you for that. And Lord, we, we thank you that your word declares that if we give, that with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into our bosom. We thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise. And the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll come ahead, Mr. Jared, and we'll receive the offering. And so don't forget, uh, today we'll have healing school at 3 o'clock. And uh, we're about to finish up Brother Bosworth's book, right? Uh, we, we're there in uh, the last chapter there, talking about Paul's thorn in the flesh and what that is. So was Paul's thorn in the flesh sickness and disease? No, what was it? It was people, right? And so uh, you ever had a thorn in your flesh? Your, your neighbor, your, your cousin, or your uncle, or your... Uh, brother or sister, whatever. Uh, thorns in the flesh are always people, according to the word of God, right? It was never sickness and disease. Uh, and so we're going through the, the word and showing how that's true and showing what that, what that means. And so we'll, uh, I don't know if we'll get through Paul's thorn in the flesh today or not, but uh, we'll just keep on, you know, we're in no hurry. We'll get it done when we get it done, right? Uh, so praise God. Be sure to, to uh, uh, greet our fo new folks here, uh, Miss, Mr. Chris and Miss Jamie. Uh, they're all the way from, from Illinois. Uh, and so... Uh, Y'all have a wonderful weekend, Lord, and be blessed, and you're dismissed.